Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that's right for you with accessories like our cycling shoes, a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends December 6th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 6th, 2022. Excludes bike, bike plus, and tread basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about sand dollar holograms, a nice staycation away from the charmings, and Henry's bad decisions. Because lordy, lordy, lord, I'm pretty sure the rest of the Neverland storyline is going to be hashtag Henry makes a bad decision. Can't trust 10-year-olds. Who can you trust? I mean... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I... Or he's 12 he's, at this point. I don't remember how old he is. Like, he's 40. He he's, should know better. He just... He's being tricked. It's just... Henry, be smarter than this. Like, the heart of the truest believer is apparently a very gullible little boy. Yes, it's the heart of the naivest believer. Naivete and uh, and uh, belief are one and the same. Well, I am Beth Alderkin, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Abby. Abby. How are you doing? Was there ever a Santa storyline? Did we ever do Santa? Was there a Santa once upon a time at all? Um, I don't think I like so, don't but remember. if there if there is, it would probably be connected to Frozen. That's true. Like maybe I don't, Father Christmas or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I just I now that I'm thinking about it, you know, it's just the heart of the truth believer. He's just he believes stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think it would probably be suspect if you put Santa in with a bunch of fairy tale creatures for the kids that were watching. But anyway, I was just wondering about Santa because, but not about Santa because it is Halloween time and we're not talking about Christmas. She well, scolds I mean, her herself. There is, there is a movie where you get both two for the price of one. So, you know, you can talk about it's Halloween just, and Christmas at the same time. I can. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just going to talk about Halloween and Christmas for the rest of the year, all the time, constantly. Is it March? We're talking about Halloween. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. No, I'm doing good. Uh. <laughs> A little all over the place, but I'm doing good. Same boat here. And uh, we, you know, it's it's fitting we are we are near Halloween because this episode has a very um, Halloween-esque title. It is season three, episode seven. Oh, come on. I get a freebie. Oh. It's Dark Hollow, season three, episode seven. Um, and we are getting ready for the showdown with the Neverland uh, storyline. We're nearing that first half of season three. And, and we, as we've mentioned, this is kind of where they started that half season arc thing where like this is actually kind of a recent realization that I had because, you know, I, I talk a lot about like shows how on Netflix they often do these half seasons and they're just like 10 or 12 episodes 
on Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and like. And I just kind of realized network shows have been doing this for a long time. It's just these streaming platforms are just actually splitting them up instead of just doing a mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, it makes sense if you're going to go for the full 22, 23 episodes. But I think that's where the high and tight 10 episode thing comes into play, where it's like, you get that thing where you get 10 episodes and you wish there was more, but sometimes when there's 23 episodes, you wish there was just so much less. Uh, There's probably a sweet point of like 15 episodes somewhere there to tell the entire same story. Um, But yeah, no, I, I agree. There's been a lot of... I don't know. I feel like the 23 season or 23 episode thing needs to stop. <laughs> I it because it's always split up. It's it's just like you're doing faux seasons. You know what I mean? Mhm. Um or you could be like the anime my husband is currently watching. Uh it's either Hunter Hunter or Hunter X Hunter. I think season 5 is like 60 episodes for no reason. <laughs> just out of nowhere there's 60 episodes. They just shoved them all together. Uh, anyway, more more, yeah. more bang for your buck. I guess. Uh, well, this episode has, of course, another slew of amazing international titles. Um, the, pretty much most of them are different. I guess Dark Hollow is not very, it's not easy to translate, which makes sense because it kind of has like the fairy connotation. Like I legit, like I, I forgot that we got the Black Fairy much later and I actually thought we were going to be getting like a tease in this episode. It did not happen. That's not what the Dark Hollow is. Frankly, I don't think we still know what the Dark Hollow is because the show certainly didn't really tell us. Um, but in French, we have Pandora's Box. Uh, we have in uh, in Polish, Dark Emptiness. Okay. Por- Portuguese and Spanish give us Black Hole and Dark Hole. Um, Italian yes. gives... <laughs> I know, right? Italian is in search of the shadow, and my favorite, as always, the German title, Kingdom of Shadows. Ooh. Okay, Good, so right? that, if it's referencing what they're going to, that sounds badass as hell. Like, mm-hmm. Neil looks at Emma and is just like, we have to go to the Kingdom of Shadows. Oh my god, that sounds terrible. As opposed to, Emma, we have to go to where? The Dark Hole. The Dark Hole. No, we will not be going there, sir. How I mean, dare you? I mean, they are both fighting over her. I mean, they got to get creative. Oh, go. So a couple episodes ago, we had talked about how we had hoped to go back to Storybrooke to see how everyone's lives were in the absence of... Apparently just five days of them being gone. I had not realized, I should have realized it had only been five days, but so much has happened. I, I love, I, I, I do enjoy this. I mean, it gets interrupted by the Mumford and Mumford and Sons showing up. Uh, but like, I like this. I think it's, it's funny. And I, and the, the dwarves get a really funny little bit about it. Uh, but yes, uh, basically the beginning part of the episode is Rumple and the wrap up of last week of mm-hmm. Rumple and Regina saying, hey, go to Storybrooke and then giving all of the little loopholes about how she can travel in there being like, hey, there's going to be a protection spell. Mm-hmm. So just you got to like surf like uh, above and you'll be able to get under like I didn't understand what he was talking about, but it worked and we didn't have to worry about it. 
and then Regina, okay, Regina sucked in the beginning part of this episode. <laughs> She's just like, I'll tell you when you come back. That's how deals are made. It's like, you piece of shit. Like, I hated her so much because she was just being really sassy for absolutely no reason. She was, and she was also acting like Ariel owed her something. Like, what you have was to do this. Like, Regina, you're not you're not on a clean slate. You owe her a, like 14 favors by now because you took her voice away for no reason and kept it away from her for an infinite amount of time that we do not even contemplate. Also, you need her. Like, yeah. this is not you playing a game with her. This is her doing you the biggest favor in the world because her doing this for you is the difference between you getting to take your son home or not. Let's maybe tone it back just a bit, Regina. Oh yeah, my but, gosh. Yeah, be, be a little friendlier to the victim of your wrath who is now going to do you a solid. Yeah, yeah, right. And, oh, I was like, well, how do I know that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain? You're just going to have to trust me. At what point has she given anyone indication that she should be trusted? Because at this point, it's no one. So, smash cut to Storybrooke. Uh, we get also a little flashback of Belle and Rumpel saying their goodbyes. And so that we get the context. Of, yeah, We get the context of Rumpel being like, I'm never coming back. And she's like, no, I believe, I believe. Uh, talk about the heart of the truest believer. It's Belle. Holy hell. She will just hold on to her belief even when it's dead in her hand. She gets like the literal widow's walk. The teary, the teary strewn face as he climbs off and or he falls down into the distance. I hated this. Like the one thing I will give Belle is her outfits in this episode are fantastic. She looks, she's brought the lacy into her wardrobe. I love, listen, Belle, it, her characterization has always, like, the way she looks, always amazing. Her hair is great. Her costuming is great. Everything. They do her so dirty with all, like, every single syllable they give her. Yeah. Uh, because this episode is the same way. They, She's not even, like, a good detective. Like, she's, like, the best detective. She at no point guesses wrong. Like, zero times she guesses wrong about anything. So she, she gets... She's like, okay, I'm gonna. I'm so sad. My boyfriend left, and then everybody like runs. I love this scene. Everyone like runs up. Oh, they did it. They freed him. Wait, where did everybody go? They had to go to Neverland. She just, just so much exposition comes out of her mouth. She's like, they had to go to Neverland to to fight Peter Pan. But don't worry, he gave me this. It's a tiny little ba a bottle full of what I assume is lavender oil, and then like a note. And Blue looks at it and is like, it's a protection spell. And then just more exposition of, yes, bad people are coming and we need to uh, put this on the town before those bad people get here. The bad people, like, it's literally them walking to the dwarves cave uh, mining area to do this. While the aforementioned Mumford and Sons are just driving as fast as they possibly can to get into Storybrooke. This whole scene, like, had zero stakes. You know they're going to get in. And, like, the whole yeah. time, like, they go to the cave and they're like, no, you have to be the one that does it. She tries to give it to Blue because mm -hmm. Blue is magical. She's like, no, you just have to believe in yourself. Okay. It's literally dumping a potion. You don't yeah, have to believe they're anything. Like, they're like, oh, you're going to, we need to just find a vein of dust 
that a fairy dust that you can just splash the lavender oil on and it's going to hit the whole town. I, if I recall correctly, Rumpel and Regina sucked all the fairy dust out of that cave in order to enact his super curse. There's none left. Where the hell is this super vein? Maybe it was a super vein. Like now it's just like empty. So it like the protection curse flowed through it like a pipe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're uh, giving it. That I guess is as good as any. But I do, I do enjoy the fact that the, that the, the protection curse is very like an Indiana Jones trap as opposed to it like starting in the middle because here's what I would assume that it would have to be like they only did this for the plot convenience of getting these two dudes into the town but it should have started in the middle and like a ball just like went out so anything that wasn't supposed to be in that town got pushed out as opposed to like it went straight up like a beam and started coming down like an umbrella so like the two dudes in their Chevy Impala had to like floor it to be able to get underneath uh, the the curtain thing. Yeah. Uh, but they left their bumper. It was all very dramatic. But they still got into town. Dun, dun, dun. And they w- it would have been decapitated. So right. this, is, this was kind of my lingering feeling watching this episode. Because we have all the storybook stuff that we're going to get into with Belle and, and, and Ariel arriving and all this stuff. And we get those hints of what you had mentioned that... The hints of, like, the door would be like, hey, things have actually been pretty good. Like, we're pretty chill. And then we have the Neverland stuff. My question to you, Abby, as we dive into the storybook, would you have liked to have seen this be its own episode? Yes. I would have loved... I don't think it would technically be a bottle episode because it would have fed into whatever the plot was going to be. But just seeing what the town was up to now that the the town drama has left because uh, all of the drama has completely been sucked out of Storybrooke. These are just people living about their lives and the evil mayor, the uh, mafia boss, uh, pawn shop guy, and the two main characters of their own stories who are in love with each other, but somehow inexplicably constantly fighting and their golden child who had just showed up. Uh, they're all gone. So now they can all just live normal lives and not be constantly threatened by death. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, and the the snippets that we got of it really made me want more of it and also wanted to see more of the actual characters there. Like, I wanted to see Dr. Whale. I wanted to see Geppetto. I wanted to see Ruby. I know they're, they all had other commitments, I'm sure. But, like, I really wanted just an episode that focused on these characters and I really wanted a Belle-centered storyline where she's separate from Rumpel to not be centered around her every second of every day being like, what's Rumpel think? What does Rumpel want me to do? Well, I'm sad because Rumpel's not here. It's, it's, it's Belle going full Disney where she's just like running through town square. Little town full of tiny people. Go to, go to hell, Belle. Like, go, to be- go to hell. Um... Yeah, no, I would have liked that. And you're right. Having Belle-centric where she's, like, even trying, like... Because at no point has anybody actually tried to get this town running again. Because, say what you will, but under the curse, it was a functioning... um, It was... It had functioning infrastructure. The only person that seems to have, like, a job anymore is Granny. Yeah. And they're kind of, kind of a dick to her. It's like, she feeds you. Shut up. There doesn't appear to be a grocery store of any sort, so just let her feed you. Um, 
yes, I would have appreciated that. And just to give Belle some wings that were not immediately attached to her desperately trying to be a part of whatever Rumple needs. Yeah. Um, because that's what this is. So she, they do that. They get the protection curse. They think that they're all fine and dandy. So then we cut to the dwarves having lunch on the beach. And all of the other dwarves are like on a different picnic bench. And they're just like, isn't it great? that like <laughs> the charmings aren't here. Like I'm, I have never slept better in my entire life. I feel great. I love that. It's happy. Happy is being a petty bitch. Just yes. like I am happy, but for all of the wrong reasons right now. Like this is not the good kind of happy. This is toxic happy. I'm just so just thank God they're not here. Like ugh, so dramatic when they're here. And Grumpy. <sighs> Grumpy. Grumpy is sitting like way far away from them. I, the only way that I can explain this is like the ecosystem I have in my house with my cats versus my dog. My cats do not care when I am gone. They just chill. They're fine with it. They get to roam about the house when the humans aren't home. They actually like it more. The dog, on the other hand, extreme anxiety, stares at the front door, waits for me to come home. That's Grumpy. Grumpy <laughs> is staring at the at the at the sea line, waiting for a ship to appear, because he needs the Charmings to be here. If the Charmings aren't here, who does he report to? If he can't tell somebody that a curse is coming, who? Do, there's no there's no power structure right now. There's a power vacuum, and Grumpy's very upset about it. Yes, he is. He's just staring, eating his sandwich, unblinking, staring at the horizon. Like, a, like you talked about a widow's walk for Belle. Grumpy's got, like, the widow's, like, the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the wi- not the widow's peak. That's the thing on my forehead. The, um, the widow's balcony or, like, the something like that. Where well, you I'm just pretty stand. sure that's the widow's walk. Like, is that what? Okay. Yeah, I, it's, okay. it's the balcony that, that you have to, to watch, to watch your, your beloved sail off and possibly never, near to return. Near to return. Yes. Uh, but then he sees a mermaid appear. And then Ariel gets like a Bond girl walk on. (laughs) She was just like, I don't have to wear that weird slinky thing over top of this. I'm just going to walk up onto this beach, all hips and let's go. I like, I don't know. I was, I was like, okay, I appreciate this. I get you Belle or I get you Ariel. Like with your, with your legs, you're ready to strut your thing. Let's go. Let's go. She's like, hi, I'm new in town. I'm looking for Belle. I have a sand dollar to give her. <laughs> oh, I love the sand dollar so much. So, but they find they find Belle. Um, Drowning her sorrows and not eating. Is she ordering this burger and then not wanting it? Or is Granny just providing it for her and she's telling her no? I'm guessing that she's ordering it and not eating it because... That's the thing he got for her. He got her a burger on their date. Or no, she got she got him a burger because she wanted to bond with him. Remember when, when they went out on a date before she lost her memory and she became yeah. lacy? Like, Belle made me so mad in this whole episode because, like you said, every single thing out of her mouth is devotion to Rumple and their love. I, I almost feel like, and this is not intentional but when i watch it i see a woman who is desperately trying to make her relationship make sense 
I see a woman, me personally, similar, uh, but my, the feeling I get is more of just like, that's her entire personality. So if Rumpel's not here, she has no way to express herself. And so it's just one of those, she doesn't know what to do with her hands. And at mm -hmm. no point in any of this was she at the library. I, what are you doing? The most basic of Belle's hobbies, and we never touch on it. We just, anyway, Ariel walks in. And then they make this weird conversation about, you know, no shoes, no shirt. And then Grumpy's like, Meh, I saw some things that Ruby wore that are seared into my brain, which I, I think was written to sound cutting, but it sounded dirty to me. <laughs> Just, he was supposed to say it like he was like slut shaming her. But what he was really saying was, is Ruby around? And what is she wearing today? <laughs> I also found it funny that they were saying that as another uh, server for the restaurant was walking by in the little shirt and the little shorts. Yeah. And for some reason, they only target Ruby, but Granny makes them all wear that uniform. They're all wearing it. Granny, what do you... Like, Granny has a problem. <laughs> Granny's like a random... Like, she's... Uh aspiring to be a madam of some sort like she's like poke bowls being a madam i'm ready to go like all or she was buying uniforms by like fabric yardage and she didn't have a lot of money so she was just like tube tops and mini skirts it is it's the cheapest option uh and ariel's just like oh are you bell your boyfriend gave me this and bell's super pumped finally something that she can do but she does get kind of mad about the sand <laughs> she's like ugh sand dollar I guess, but then Rumple's face appears. It's all gonna be okay. In a in a in a magic hologram. This is really stupid. This I, is all this, so stupid. This was so. Listen, I I don't shit on it too much. I'm just gonna call it that. It's just this whole plot line. Rumple Bell, Rumbell, uh, shipping out of this completely. This entire storyline was so forced mm -hmm. and like pedal to the metal of getting us from point A to point B that it just, it was hard to stomach because like Ariel shows up. Here's your thing. Cool. I figured out exactly what the thing does. Rumple needs my help. I need to go back to the shop and solve this riddle. I'm going to solve the riddle immediately. Like she doesn't misstep at all. She just keeps telling Ariel she's wrong. Like, no, not those things. It's got to be something about our love. So obviously, it's the only thing Rumpel remembers about us, the chipped teacup. Uh, so I will then go put it where he puts it. Oh, it opens up a thing. Oh, uh, Pandora's box is here. Hooray. Like, it's literally, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? All those work. Hooray. We've done it. Agreed. And what I didn't get about it was... When did Rumple do this? Why did Rumple do this? And what purpose did it serve? Because it it it, it solves the problem that Rumple didn't know he had. Like he assumed he was going to Neverland to die. He was not going to Neverland assuming he would need Pandora's box. Otherwise, he would have brought it with him and just hidden it with the the knife or something. But for so like he. He created a solution for a problem he didn't even know he had. And not in the rumple, I predict the future way. It wasn't a, this is very convenient for the plot way. Because what if Belle was just cleaning up because Rumple's gone? She's just cleaning around. Oh, here's the chipped teacup. Oh, sweet little memory. Ha ha ha. She puts it in, she puts it in the cupboard. Magic 
She finds Pandora's box. She opens it and gets sucked inside. We never see her again. Like, this only existed to solve a problem that the show made in this episode. There's nothing to justify it actually having happened in the past. Well, and so here's where my problem was, is... And it's the same thing that you have, but for different reasons. Uh, it's the wh- when did he do this part? Because as far as we know from the way that they cut that scene was Rumple was like, I didn't bring the thing that I needed. And Regina goes, oh, I have a way to solve our problem and goes and finds a mermaid. And so they find the mermaid. They talk to her for 15 seconds to convince her this. And suddenly Rumple has a sand dollar with a message on it. Like, so not only does he have, like, something that's very fitting flair-wise for the mission at hand, like, here, here, mermaid, take this sand dollar. It could have been literally anything. It could have been, here, take this, like, totem, or take this stick, or take this random piece of thing that I have on my body. No, it was a sand dollar, because it's part of the theme. We're on a beach. Did he step away at some point while, like, Regina and Ariel were arguing, just like, hey, I need to go. And he's, like, in the back corner. Bill, I can't say too much. That little shithead might be listening. Felix, I see you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I just, it didn't make sense as to how this all happened. Because you're right. None of this made any lick of sense. And it stopped making sense even more somehow. Because they're like, oh, we've got Pandora's box. And suddenly, half of Weezer shows up. This is just going to be me just making jokes about like 90s punk bands. Um, And just like this, I love these two so much. And so they show up and they're like, hi, we're working for Pan, but not really because he's got our sister and we need your help. And we're, we, uh, we're going to tie you to this chair. See you later. And there's a joke about a gun because Ariel doesn't know what it is. And I actually thought that was funny. Why are we doing what he says? Cause they have a gun. I don't know what a gun is. You want me to show you? Not really. Um, because there's something kind of funny about the darling boys having a gun. I don't know why that multiple guns. They have I don't two know. guns. Yeah, it's just like if supernatural, but like with the darlings, <laughs> like. So, yeah. I have questions okay. about the darlings. I have questions, and I don't think they're ever going to be answered. How how is Pan keeping them alive? How he how does he have that magic? So. I, I wasn't kidding when I said like an episode or two ago, I genuinely have no idea what's happening anymore. Like I feel <laughs> like I'm watching the show for the first time again because I don't know what the end point is. Mm. I mean, I know where we go with season four and five. Like I know who 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 lives, who dies, who who tells the stories, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what happens here in the next like five episodes. I genuinely have no idea. So I can't even begin to explain it because I was wondering the same thing. I just assume it's some sort of shadow curse and like this is what Pan wants Henry Fours because I just assume Pan is exerting so much energy playing all of these games and keeping all of this stuff held together that the, the island cannot sustain it. Like he has got so much magic in the world from the just sheer amount of time he has existed because you, you got to imagine he hasn't, these aren't the only two people he's been focused on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's got that game going on and apparently, you know, just a girl in a box for no reason that he's constantly keeping sedated. I don't know. 
But like, there's got to be other stuff happening. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. got to have like he's got to be torturing somebody else somewhere else. He can feel people leaving the island. Like he felt Ariel leave and knew it was Ariel. Like that's how intertwined with the island that he is. So like, my guess because I genuinely don't know is that he is physically draining this like whole island of its magic because it was not meant to sustain a immortal being with a grudge against the world. Hmm. I mean, only only time will tell. Uh, And this is, this is just a little gripe that I have. Um, This is just a show gripe. I I find it stupid that they call it the home office when it's pan. Like, yeah, I wish they'd let that go. (laughs) Well, it's like, I know it's only so that we have the dun-dun-dun, we know it's Pan, you know, like, reveal later. But we don't, like, these guys are by themselves. Why are they calling it the home office when no one else is around? But it's also weirder because when, when, when Ethan Embry was calling it the home office, it just sounded something weird. There's a different connotation when you you have two people with a British accent calling something the home office. Because now it sounds like the government's involved. Because so they it's have just, fancy accents? No, because there's literally a home office. Like, there's, like, in the British government, there's home oh, office. You call right, it the home okay. office. So it's like, when they, like, it's the home office. If you forget what, like, Ethan Everett was talking about, you're just like, wait a minute. Does this go all the way up t- to the queen? Oh, my God. This conspiracy goes all the way to the top. Um, Although, based on how old the darlings are, I mean, I think Queen Elizabeth was still queen at that time. Boom, yeah roasted uh yeah this it, this was all like this is just to be able to tie it all together i guess sure uh, yeah but- and, and then just like you were saying before bell always has the answers she knows exactly where they're gonna go with the box and what they're gonna do with it even though these guys there's nothing saying that they would know a dwarf pickaxe could destroy everything but they know and they're doing it and also I would like to also point out that they gave it a really kind of bogus um, time limit on her bracelet. Like at no point was there a race against the clock with that bracelet. Cause mm-hmm. like Regina's like, it will only work for 24 hours. At no point was that ever like a concern. No. Because and there was no need for take- it to either. Yeah. She was also, a- also able to take it off and put it back on at, at will. So that adds a whole other element of just being like, Oh, well I don't need it for a while. I've got 24 hours of magic in this baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get out of their chair because she takes off her thing and somehow getting a fin gets you out of ropes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They go find the boys. They stop the boys, but the boys are saying the pan has their sister. They were working for him. They don't want to work for him anymore. They just want their sister back. So if you can get her back, that would be a good solid. Please send thank you. Here's Pandora's box back. The end. Like that's, it's it's literally just that. I feel it. I feel it's weird that these mysterious guys are introduced and explained in the span of one episode, where they're basically the B plot. Yeah, I I I, I like that we have an older Michael and John. I I like that. I think that's really cool. It reminds me a lot of the magicians. They did a very similar thing with the kid characters and the the adult counterparts. It's v- that one is actually very well, well done. 
Also, John and Michael are much older than Wendy. Yeah. So, because I, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I just, like, I like that the, the idea that they weren't, like, stuck in some sort of, like, very tiny. Like, Wendy is stuck in a, as an immortal child at the moment. But, like, they didn't get caught up in this until they were much older. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I think that's also interesting. Being like, she's definitely older, but she looks like she's... It's all very, it's all very storybook of them. This is your, this is your big sister. She cannot drive legally. (laughs) And they do succeed. Belle, uh, once again, uses the power of, of mine carts. Why is, why is Belle's, why are the solution to all of Belle's dramas in a mine shaft? Everything that happens to her is with mine carts. But yeah, like it's, it's that and it's just, I don't know. I, I wish she would have solved it a little bit better, like a different way, a more Belle way, because you could have literally substituted any character in that moment. That was not a very, Mm -hmm. that didn't seem like a Belle move. That just seemed like a warm body does this. We get it. Give back to Ariel. We could have put Leroy there. You could have put Blue there. You could have put Archie there, which would have been fantastic. (laughs) Um, But they get it back. So Ariel is going to take it back, uh, go back to Neverland and she's like, yeah, just, just make sure. Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm confusing what Belle says to Rumple, uh, or what Rumple says to Belle. So then Ariel goes back. She's like, okay, I did it. Here's your box. Tell me where the boy is. I would like to know where my, my hunky boyfriend is. Uh, so I can tell him from a distance that, uh, that I am a mermaid, but Regina does do her solid and, and makes the bracelet so she can have legs forever. If she wears it, she has them whenever she wants, which again, there needed to be more, more in this of being like, Hey, sorry, I was kind of a bitch to you before and took your voice forever. Like go find your prince. I apologize. Like there's a part of the redemption arc that needed to happen in this moment that did not happen. Um, I don't know if it ever happens, but like that, that's the part where you apologize. Hey, here you go. You know, you can walk, you can walk amongst the people the, the, for the rest of your life if you would like. Uh, and then Rumpel's just like, oh, by the way, I need you to go back to Storybrooke while you're looking for your prince and make sure you let Belle know that I love her. Not going to send another special hologram telegram to so I get to say it out loud to her. Can't do that. No time. Can't do it. You just tell her for me. Pass, pass it along. I love her. Sand dollars are, you know. They're expensive. The yeah. word dollar is in the name. I know. They're just, they're just ever. He probably couldn't get back to the gift shop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, that is that whole storyline. I would have liked to have seen it be expanded and given its own space to breathe. But alas, we spend half our time in Neverland on a completely different stories. We get a lot of very um, scene whiplash in this episode. We jump around in emotion and 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 feeling and need and and want and i i felt very overwhelmed by the end of the episode and not in a good way uh the first one is between um snow and charming they (laughs) come to blows about the fact that the cave of secrets revealed charming secrets that he got sick he got cured and now he cannot leave the island and I have mixed feelings about these scenes. 
I like that they drew out Mary Margaret being upset. I like how she eventually confronted him. I like what she said. I kind of like how Charming responded. But I feel like it it felt a little bit all is forgiven a little bit quicker than I would have liked. And I also really did not like that Emma sided with him. Yeah, what was that about? That was probably my biggest problem. Like, on, on, it, again, because of what Charming did, it was going to be a terrible mess in the first place because it's really hard to, it, it's hard to brush that under the rug. Like, that's a big problem. That's not a, oh, oh, I forgot our anniversary. I will take you to dinner later. Like, that's a big thing. Like, hey, I was secretly dying. And then I lied to you anyway, again, for zero reason. And so my problem was, yes, my problem is, yes, that Emma sided with him uh, because she's like, yeah, I mean, that would be that would be tough because Emma's also kind of a chicken shit. She's just like, I, I wouldn't have told you either. Um, but I also just didn't like that Charming kind of invalidated her feelings. Yeah. Um, like, and so I will relate this to a personal experience in as little word as possible without ranting. But like in college, I got cheated on, but I didn't find out about it for like a year later. And so I was obviously very upset about it. And within like days of it happening, he asked me, like, I was just like, oh, maybe we can work through this. Don't work through it, guys. Uh, he was like, well, maybe we can work through it. And I was really upset and I was trying to work through my grieving process. And like five days later, he's like, why are you so upset about this? It happened a year ago. It's like, I just learned about it. I have to be able to go through my process. This is the same thing. Charming is like mad at her for being this mad. And it's like, you... You were able to already go through all this with yourself and rationalize it the best you can. She is trying to process this in her own way. You cannot take that from her. Don't, she's mad. She's allowed to be mad. Let her throw stuff. Let her give you the silent treatment for a little while. Let her work through it. Like, I, that's, that's what always bothers me. And this is a TV show problem. It's not even specifically once upon a time. It's like, you just gotta let people be mad and process their shit. Even if it's not like a big deal. A big Mm -hmm. deal. I'll use air quotes. Like, you're allowed to be grumpy. You're allowed to be, you know, hostile for a little bit and then just slowly get over it as you, or not get over it, but slowly work through it. And he was just like, I can't believe you're still mad. It's like, I found out about it an hour ago. I have to work through it. I can't just like be like, well, the past, the past. What are you going to do? That was probably my bigger problem next to the Emma thing, so. Agreed. And, and to to add a, another thing uh, that really upset me about it was I felt like their fight really focused on the trap being trapped in Neverland thing, focused on the current problem, and didn't spend enough time unpacking the facts that he also lied to her about dying. And that because he's like, I didn't want to tell you that we couldn't leave so that you could go. And it's like, oh, well, you didn't want like, she, she doesn't quite take him to task and in a way I felt was satisfying about if you had died as you thought you were going to, I would have never seen you again. Like, and I, I get why, because there's a billion things in this episode and we don't have enough time. Um, but I feel like they're going to be fine after this and I'm not fine. Well, yeah, because I mean, he he even brings up the part where he's like, I didn't want to make that choice for you. I didn't want to do that. But I'm like, Everything you are doing is making a choice for her. Mm-hmm. At no point did she get a choice. So your entire argument is bunk from the start. 
also when you're like, well, I don't want to make you move here uh, at all. But then like five seconds later, it's just like, wouldn't this be a great place for a tree house or maybe a hut of some sort? Whatever you want, honey. Oh, my God. Go all the way to hell. Go all the way to hell. And he was like just, trying to like make light small talk and then got upset at her when she didn't find it entertaining. I know. Like everything about Charming is that he got by by being like kind of cute and funny <coughs> and it's not working because you need to have an emotional response. So yeah, like again, this is this is set up poorly because of the problem that was set up in the first place. They they set up a very damning problem that they needed to fix very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um when in reality, this should be like a season or two worth of damage to their marriage. Like, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure if she'd be madder or less mad if he slept with somebody else. Like it's, it's up there. I, I think that it would have been a little bit easier if they picked one of these problems instead of having both because it's compounded. If, if it had just been, he was dying and now he's not, and she got mad that he wasn't honest with her. Okay. If it was something happened and now he can't leave, there you go. But the fact that they're they're compounded on top of each other and he didn't tell her at any step of that way to the point where one of the problems got resolved and created a new problem and she didn't know about any of them. It's, I just, something tells me that, that this is just going to kind of get washed over from here on out. We had our fight. We had our conflict. We've had our conflict resolution, but I'm not satisfied. See, you know what I would have liked? Theory time. Different version of the story here. Uh, is if he was quietly dying and trying not to tell her. But she finds out and she's the one that goes to get the water. Comes back with it to save him. He's on death's door. He's about to go. And is when Hook shows up. Like, for some reason, Hook was deposed. He told her about it, but didn't tell her the last part because of communication problems. You know, your basic sitcom nonsense. But comes back right before he drinks it and is just like, if he drinks that, he cannot leave this island. And then Charming refuses to take it. He's like, no, I can't make, I can't do that because I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to live here without you. And then for Snow to be like, no, you know, you need to do that. And for some sort of like, you know, I'm with you to the end of the line, buddy kind of situation. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're going to take this and we'll live here. We'll figure it out together. I'm, I'll find a midwife to bring from Storybrooke to here. Uh, and we'll start our family here on Neverland with all the lost boys. I don't care. I just want you alive. Like that's the kind of relationship I see charming and snow having. And I wish that's how that would have kind of yeah. gone out. Anyway, that's anyway. So they're fine. Let's go to the Twilight storyline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elsewhere, we've got uh, more relationship drama in that uh, Emma, Neil, and Hook decide they're going to go to the Dark Hollow where Pan's shadow resides um, because they feel if they think if they can capture him, then they can use the shadow to to escape. It's a uh, thin plan. But I'm guessing it works because we know they leave. So well, either that or they're going to come up with another ha- harebrained scheme later on, which could also be possible. But it's not quite harebrained because Neil has made this work before. He has the the coconut of tiny screw holes in it. Um, he knows it works. It's a plan that he knows works. It's kind of like Hook's plan. He knows that the water up in the thing works. We just got to make it. We just got to live to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. The whole part was like, there's a harebrained scheme, but mostly there's like a soap opera happening. 
Yes, because the two boys are going with the lady that they like. And to the point where Emma's mom is like, you gotta be careful. This is gonna get real bad. And Emma, I I think it's a combination of just just determination and willful ignorance that she's like, I'm focused on my son. But she also just does like, she's just a little bit in denial that this is going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. No, Emma has um, what I'll just call is Midwestern processing, where she's just going to shove all of the bad feelings down and try to fixate on something else and just hope nothing bad happens in the middle of it. Because she just goes, I'm not even going to kind of deal with this. So she just marches on. And then Hook decides to take things into his own hands. Was this on purpose or not? What do you think? mm, I think it was on purpose. I think Hook is a messy bitch. Oh, I love it. He just, he he overheard the ladies who tavern, uh, how they got things to rise to the next level. You know, he'd be at the bar and he'd overhear them chatting about, you know, how... How they would like, you know, it's it's passive aggressiveness at its finest. This is so passive aggressive because he's just like, hey, man, thanks for being cool about me and Emma making out. And he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, she didn't tell you. Oh, this is so awkward. Oh, yeah. Well. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah, when so. did she, when did she kiss you last? Cause me, it was about twenty minutes ago. Nice. <laughs> I so I need to go back and look. I did not have time before we started recording. I don't know if I just noticed it or it was on purpose, but Hook's shirt seemed even more unbuttoned in this episode, which very much fuels my theory that he is a messy bitch. Like, oh, I got to start competing with another man unbuttons two buttons full chest let's go (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah the this all kind of starts coming out and neil seems a bit flummoxed he's upset he's not really mad at emma and he actually the two of them have a conversation later on that just further proves that neil is by far the better man um because he's basically like look you know what? We're going to do what we're going to do. If the only thing that comes out of our relationship is Henry, we did a great job. Thumbs up. We're awesome. Um, Neil, good, 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 good ally. Good ally man. Hook, kind of a messy bitch. Because um, they had they find themselves in the dark hollow. Neil and Hook kind of start butting heads a little bit. Um, the testosterone is starting to fly. Emma is just batting it like insects just kind of whacking it away because she's got a goal and the dark hollow. What is the set? What was this set? I, is it- I don't know. I can't even begin to explain to you what was happening because I, I don't know what it was. I don't know why it was the way that it was. It was confusing and weird. Wasn't dark, nor was it hollow. Because they say this is where Pan's shadow lives, and they also say it's where his victims go. So I'm guessing, like when Greg's soul, when Greg's shadow got ripped out of his body, this is where it ended up. And I actually thought we were going to maybe see Greg again. Like I thought we were going to see like like a like a zombie version. 
We did not get that. We got not one, not two, not three, but five of these horrible uh, CGI uh, sh you know, sh uh, shadow monstrosities because the three come and they're attacking um, because the men are having a tissy and they're fighting over a lighter because they're stupid and the shadows attack them. They start ripping out their shadows. Emma draws on the anger within and lights the candle, sucks in the one shadow, gets it in, the others dissipate, and then that's just done. Yeah. It was this, so boring. Yeah, them going to the um the the title of the episode, them going to the Dark Hollow, the Kingdom of Shadows, them going to the Dark Hole, uh is such an afterthought to the Twilight nonsense that's happening. Mm -hmm. I call it Twilight. I mean, I know that there's a lot of different love triangles, but I love calling it Twilight because there's a boy with eyeliner and a deep cut V-shirt. He's like, my, this, I won't get on, into all of it, but I asked my, my, my son, my baby dragon, if he knew what a vampire was. And his response was, yes, it's like a pirate with very long teeth. And now I'm thinking he might be right. <laughs> oh no! Uh, so, yeah, because yeah, like no. I don't. Did you catch this? Like when the two men were like kind of thrown against the trees and their souls started getting ripped out. Did you get the feeling that the show was kind of being like Emma needed to choose which one to save? Yeah, it was. It was setting it up for one of those. Let's see who she loves more, which yeah. is a very bizarre thing to do as she has more history and she genuinely loves Neil versus she just has the hots for hook and they just met. Um, like that's, it's, it doesn't work. Like they don't have a one-to-one. -one. It's not like they were dating, like hook and Emma were dating and then Neil showed up like Neil showing up with hook, but hook just thinks she's pretty and, and, and is in, you know, could could see himself dating her or something like that. Like, what the difference between what Hook and Emma have at this moment versus what Neil and Emma have? Just, just worlds different. Well, they're treating it like it's a a legit love triangle, and it's not because if you think about the timeline, Emma thought Neil was dead for four days. Like because. Neil died the same day that Henry was taken away. They all skedaddle and go over there. Neil comes to the Neverland within a couple of days. It, it In the span of four days, Emma and Hook made out once. And now the show is treating it like she has this choice to make. When just a few days ago, she swore her love to Neil and then he died. And now he's back. Like making out with a pirate once, I'm sorry, that does not compare to that kind of dynamic. Making out with a pirate that you kind of just met, it's part of the grieving cycle. It's somewhere between anger and bargaining, I think, if I'm remembering my stages correctly. <laughs> like, you're, and also, like, Neil literally forgave her like 20 minutes ago for hoping he was dead. Like, he forgave her for that, but finding out she got her kisses in with, like, a guy with eyeliner was too much for him to handle, which is hysterical to me for some reason. Like, the dynamic of those two, like, forgiveness levels is just riotous. Um, 
but also like I don't know. It's just and this is just a once upon a time thing. This is PG TV stuff where it's like kissing somehow now equals sex. <laughs> like making out with a guy versus it, it, we're making it kind of sound like she's been dating him for a while. <laughs> like it's just, it, they equate it to so much more. It's so funny to me. Yeah. But, but Emma draws a line in the sand and makes it very clear. And, and Abby, I'm going to actually read to you this sentence from the Wikipedia for this episode because it, not because it's good, but because it made my skin crawl just a little bit as this Wikipedia often does. I don't know who writes this and I don't know why they write it the way they do. So it writes, unfortunately, Emma's not too happy with how both Neil and Hook are behaving around her, prompting her to read the riot act to the two men, making it clear to them that the most important male in her life will always be Henry. Hashtag boy mom. <laughs> oh, I hate it. It's so gross. Anyway, so that gets resolved. They meet up with the Charmings. Their stuff's gotten resolved. They meet up with um with with the queen and rumple their stuff's gotten resolved they found tinkerbell her stuff's gotten resolved we're ready to go guys plan is in action meanwhile <laughs> oh my god there's more to this episode i forgot about wendy meanwhile oh no meanwhile at pan's camp things happen this is my favorite I, part of the episode because I, it was so bad this what happened? You know what? Just go. Like okay. I have, I'm All so right. confused and flummoxed by the entire ending of this episode. Yeah. So Henry is becoming a bit disillusioned with Pan. The the days of the jollivanting around, but he might not hear the Pan flute anymore because his moms are coming and he's ready for him. And Pan is starting to notice that his his truest believer heart may be waning a little bit and he's got to set his plan in motion so henry being of sound mind and body and oh so very smart he hears pan stage whisper to felix the shit being like go do the thing make sure you're not followed take the supplies Make sure no one finds you. Go that way. I'll go the other way. And he, meanwhile, Henry is like, Make sure sneak, Henry sneak. doesn't find out. out. And Henry is just like, Sneak, 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 sneak. Sneak, sneak, sneak. I, I also, by the way, appreciate the fact that Felix seems to be getting grungier every single episode. Like, he looked, he looked like especially unwashed and emo-y in this episode. Like he kept like looking up through his cloak. What do we do? Like he's just like slipping full speed down. Uh, I mean, yeah, he might have gone method. Maybe he was just living in the woods the whole time they were filming. Everyone's terrified of him. Just like oh my gosh, I saw him eat a rabbit. Oh, he caught it himself. It was awful. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Henry has decided that he's going to outsmart this uh, centuries-old uh, magic man. Uh, by sneaking through the woods without for once thinking that maybe he's doing exactly what Pan wants him to do. I mean, he's a child, but also you're 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 smarter than this, Henry. Well, all evidence to the contrary, because he sneaks, sneaks, sneaks behind Felix, who like does everything short of just like oh, oh 
I almost knocked over my microphone. Henry is the worst hider, the worst sneaker, the worst follower, and Felix is just doing him all the favors, just being like, oh, I heard a giant stick. I'll turn around very slowly. Oh, no one there? Okay, I'm just going to drop this bag. Bye. <laughs> I I think my favorite part about this whole thing is, and like, I get it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a bag on a little bit, but it is, you know, let, let's trick the, let's trick the 10 year old into exactly what we want because he's just a very tiny gullible little boy. At no point, he has been living with the Lost Boys for a couple of days now. He is still in the clothes he arrived in. They show no signs of wear. So, and he, and again, God bless him, just a little child actor. He's just like mopily walking from place to place in straight clothes. He looks like he's working on blocking for the day because everybody else is in full like cloak and camo and we're unwashed boys. And then there's Henry in a all the way buttoned up flannel, a nice pair of je slacks, jeans, I think he's wearing, and then some like nice shoes. He just, there's no signs of wear. There's no signs of anything. He just looks like he just showed up. Uh, so that was probably my favorite part of this whole thing. Like I get what they were trying to do, but it was just like, can't we like have put like any sort of cloak or like beads just to show that he's been on the island for a little bit? That yeah. he's been part of the tribe and been part of what was happening. I mean, he's been getting into fights. Give him a little sc scrape on the knee. Get a, little, get a little scuff on the face. But uh, no, he, he finds a bag on the ground. Do we ever figure out what's in that bag? He just picks it, was, it up. And... It was like food. It was apples oh, okay. and stuff. But like Felix dropping it had all the subtlety of like a, a lady of the court, like dropping her handkerchief as she walks by the gallant knight. Oops. Oops. Oh no! Oh, just keep walking. It's like, oh, oh, there's a there's a hot guy in this scene. Oh no! Look at all the red wine I've spilled all over your white shirt. Please take it off. I will. I will go wash it. Yeah, all of <laughs> just this this terrible. But again, just to point out, these are immortal sixteen year olds. They did not get any smarter, and also they're tricking a kid who's only been ten the one time. So his life experiences just pales in comparison to theirs. Yes, because, you know, the, so he starts to pick up the bag and lo and behold, he hears the most convincing coughing you'll ever hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here. I love everything about this scene, by the way, because it just it, it in the time of COVID, this scene made me laugh. I, I like it shouldn't have, but it did. Why are you over here? Because we go, I, we're in the treehouse, it's Wendy. She's like, why are you here and so far away from camp? Because he's worried that I'm going to get everyone else sick. Henry immediately goes and sits next to her. <laughs> She's coughing. She's contagious, man, apparently. Maybe or maybe not. You, I, just, Come on, Henry. Just, and at no point does, does Henry question, like, how the island would make her contagious if the magic is dying. How does magic dying equal contagious disease? That's never explained. Uh, also, how is how is Pan helping you? Never explained. It's Henry just they're they're really leaning into this heart of the truest believer to the point where he just believes everything anyone ever tells him. Yeah, 
with no questioning. Like you can believe somebody, but like ask questions, like yeah. not questioning, like invalidating, but just being like, oh, I'm sick. Oh, is it something that there could be a medicine for? Or is it like draining you of your magical properties? Like give me some context clues to know if I need to go find you some ibuprofen or like magic water that makes you not be able to leave the island. Like I just need to know where we're at on the spectrum here. Uh, because this is my problem that I had with last week. No one's asking the proper follow-up questions. They're just railroading the conversation to get from where they need to go, uh, from where they're starting to where they're going because they just don't want to muck around with what's going on. And that was this entire scene. It was just, let's get, let's trick Henry, uh, with a pretty little girl. Yeah. And, and that's, that's another problem in and of itself, the way that that is presented. It's a little bit, it's sus a little bit sus um so henry's like yeah i'll i'll save you i'll save everybody i have the heart of the truest believer i can do it he goes to pan he's like i know you've been lying to me finger wag finger wag and i just love how pan's like no no let me explain i swear it's not what it looks like well it's actually not what it looks like but alas and I do love in this episode, Pan actually does not lie to Henry. This is another situation where he's he 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 just doesn't tell the whole truth. Like he's like, I promise, I'm not holding your family hostage. That's true. Um, and your mom's like, busy kissing every boy she meets. Ew. <laughs> um, and he says, okay, the way to save the island, the way to save magic is for you to come with me to this creepy skull in the middle of the water. Nothing shady about that. No one's going to come with us. It's just us. It's going to be fine. Also, it's crazy dangerous. Let's go. And that's where we end the episode. Henry's going to go with him to this creepy, creepy island of skull death. I I wish they would have characterized Wendy a little bit differently. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're giving Pan, like... They're giving Pan the adult in a child's body mode where they're like, this is this is a centuries old being uh, who is in a child's body. So he does not think like an, a child. Uh, but then all of the Lost Boys are stunted teenagers. So they they think maybe a little bit more past what they used to, but they're still just like lost. Uh, they're still in the like uh, Lord of the Flies moment where they're just they don't progress maturely or towards maturity at all. Wendy, a a girl who has been locked up for, what, hundreds? Hundreds of years. How long? A couple hundred years? It's been decades, at least. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Yeah. But just, like, you know how, like, typically, and this is just getting into some psychology stuff, is the way that girls tend to show their maturity is just becoming very hard. And so, you know, she looks so cute. She's so precious. She's got the big curls and the blonde and everything. But just, like, for her to just have the, just the aged soul... Of, like, a 200-year-old woman just, like, I don't like doing this. Like, she still talks like a child. She's still acting like a child. And she's still reasoning like a child. I wish she w- they would have given her a little bit more of a grizzle to her. Of being, yeah. like, this is a child that was held in captivity for most of her life. Mo- not most of her life. Way more than most of her life. Yeah, Alone. they could have gone, like, Kirsten Dunst in Interview with the Vampire. Like, yeah. body of a child. You know, like... It's more interviewed the vampire, less Twilight, where Twilight, yes. if you freeze as a child, you have the mind of a child forever and you can never mature or arrange like that, which is weird. And we're not going to get into that. 
Well, Abby, that was. I just broke Abby. <laughs> I, I, I love how much we're talking about Twilight, but we like both are just like very ruefully talking about Twilight. Yeah, because it's just like it's got its messy fingers in this pie, and I, I want them out of the pie. And but it was it was such a part of the lexicon at the time, like. It was kind of like when Harry Potter came out and there was all this like chosen one special secret school that's tied to something magical like Percy uh, and and what there was this, and then it got Hunger Gamesy it like morphed into Hunger Games but then there was Twilight where it's pretty girl who is clearly an insert for the reader meets two hunky boys and for four books somehow doesn't think she's pretty uh, but everybody wants to date her. Um, so yeah, this was just part of like what the what was going on at the time. Like mm-hmm. it was it was this stuff. It was Hunger Games. It was it was the Chosen One stuff, and it was love triangles. But it only works if one of the boys is wearing eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was season three, episode seven, Dark Hollow, which introduced um, John and Michael Darling, or as they're called, like they have like code names i don't know if this was like to try and keep their identity secret uh but originally uh john darling is called glasses and michael darling is called keychain because he has a teddy bear keychain because michael had a teddy bear i like details like that Mm -hmm. okay all right i see you once upon a time i see you Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. We, of course, want to thank our wonderful patrons for continuing our support. We've got some new patrons this week, and we love all of you, and thank you so much. Uh, We've got our Snow Queen level patrons. We have Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Philip Korn, Samantha Hussle, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul, Rain Gregorikos, Emily, Rachel Zucker, La Femme Fictionale, Erica Farrow, The Salt in Our Stars, and Zach Chobanoff. We did just get a new uh, Snow Queen level patron, but I don't have your name just yet in the list. I'm going to add it into the notes and you'll get a special shout out next week. I apologize for this, but thank you for showing your support. And if you want to also support us on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our wonderful Facebook group. You can head to our Twitter. I am personally at Beth Elderkin on Twitter. I am a just underscore Abby. I was trying to match your my, my cadence. Match your cadence. <laughs> and we will be back next week with season three, episode eight. Think lovely thoughts. And I am pretty sure this is the origin story for Pan. And I'm very excited to see this one, even though it had a huge drop in ratings. Finally, a shoe (laughs) to drop. I feel like this other shoe has been waiting to drop this whole time. We've been, maybe it's because we know like what's coming, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel like this has been drawn out for so long. It's been drawn out for so long. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm excited for next week. I, as much as we've been bagging on it, other than the charming stuff, I think if we, we, took the charming stuff out i would be having a much better time yes so i'll so, put it that way yeah so. we can we can put the charming stuff in its own little box we'll put it in pandora's box 
And we'll release that evil only when we so see fit, when the Charmings have another fight. (laughs) So thank you everyone for joining us and Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.